Well, good morning again, and Happy New Year. Isn't it great that um, there's always something to look forward to, even in the new year? Um, my name is Mike Alameda, and I'm the director of Corazon Ministries, and um, I just want to just thank you for allowing me to be here with you this morning and to share God's Word with you um, on this Sunday morning. Uh, it's always exciting to be with God's people as I've traveled around and taught at many different types of churches. It's always great to, to be with and experience uh, the newness of God's people. Um, I know that just recently we just had Christmas, and now we're here to the new year, and, um, and see what God has in store for us this year. Let me go ahead and open up in prayer uh, as we look into His Word. Father, we come before You again this morning as we open up Your Word, knowing that Your Word was written for each and every one of us. It was designed to reveal yourself to us and show us who you are and how we're to live and how we're to stay in a deep and intimate relationship with you. Father, I just thank you for the privilege to be here this morning um, and be in this pulpit. Father, it is never a right to teach your word. It's a privilege given to us by you. And so I thank you for Pastor Steve and him entrusting me with this morning knowing that uh, he is entrusting me with the people he loves the most. And it's, it's an honor to be asked by any pastor to teach to his people. So I, I thank, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be here this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, what I thought we'd do today is to talk about biblical fellowship. You know, there's always something new in our worlds. And as we start off a new year, I wanted to talk about something that happened that was new to the early church. And hopefully, um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 2.42, because we're going to be reading from Acts 2.42 through 47. And what I'd like to do is, um, and I'm sorry, how much time do I have? I want to make sure. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I preach at Spanish churches. There's two hours, so. <laughs> so let's, uh, I don't have a set in time. Well, God bless you guys. I guess noon by noon, okay. All right. Well, anyway, we get to this idea that there's always something new, and we're looking at a new year, and people are making New Year's resolutions, and they're making all these new ideas, and we have new thoughts of what we want to accomplish in our lives. And, but, you know, God is always doing something new. Um, there's nothing new under the sun for us because it's already been done, but God is doing something in our lives if we allow Him to. So as we look at in Acts 42, he did something incredibly new. This was the beginning of biblical fellowship. This is where fellowship actually became, it's the first time it's mentioned after Jesus Christ was lifted up on a cloud. So we're going to look at that today, and we're going to, we're going to see what the Scripture has to tell us about that. But right before that, in Acts 2, 40, 41, the Scripture tells us, it says clearly, it says in 41, if you're there, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and on that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So the first thing that you want to know before you get into 42, which is going to talk about what biblical fellowship is, is the, the first thing that happened was that you have to become a believer. You can't have fellowship with God without accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's impossible. 
But this is the first thing that happens. You have this 3,000 people who came to Christ, and then you're going to move into this newness, this new thing that's going to take place. But this thing happens today. It's not just for the new church, for the churches, it was a new beginning. It's talking about what biblical fellowship is. I think sometimes we can lose sight of that. We lose sight of biblical fellowship and the value and what God had created for us. So as we look at Acts uh, 42, we're going to start there. We're going to go through, down through 47. But we go there, and we're going to take verse by verse, and we're going to break it down a little bit and see what it really means for us as Christians. You know, I was, as, as a missionary and a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I work with churches across the country. I work with young people. And I'm watching what's happening is that this loss of biblical fellowship is what's breaking down our churches. And what if we understand it from a biblical perspective, I think it will ignite the church. And this is why I wanted to teach on this, because this was new to them. This wasn't something they did religiously. This is new to the 3,000 people that just came to Christ, this biblical fellowship. But here's what happened. After they came to Christ in 42, the verse says this clearly, they continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. So what's happening is these believers, they continued to devote themselves to the teachings. And what it really means for us as Christians is the believer is to be devoted to learning spiritual truths. These new believers were committed to growing in their faith. They understood that's what was needed for them. And it says the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they were committed to growing in their faith. They were committed to having relationship with other people. Not institutions, but people. Because let me tell you something. God is the God of relationship. He came as a child to establish relationship with his people. We just celebrated Christmas. And he, he did that to redeem us and to draw us back to himself. So the, the, the new believer, these new believers were the beginning of this new, this biblical fellowship is showing us what it looks like. As a result, you see this incredible movement towards making sure we're teachable. Because if you ever get to the place where you think you know everything about God, you better wake up a little bit more. Just figure out how he created the universe and ask yourself if I really do know them, God this well. There's so much to learn about God. It's amazing. So then he goes on and says, And they reminded themselves... The breaking of the bread in this passage, if you look up, look it up under the Greek, the breaking of bread meant communion. That's what it means. It means communion. It means that these, the new believers were committed to gathering together, enjoying the teaching and breaking of bread, of understanding that the communion or the Lord's Supper was so important to the believer. Because what it meant to the believer was that I will never forget what Christ has done for me. You see, the breaking of the bread reminds us of his blood sacrifice. It reminds us of, the, of his body, what he had done. This is a powerful thing. You want to know how to keep a strong core value in your life? Never forget. Never forget. So they were committed to breaking the bread and to prayer. Now, prayer is fellowship with God. 
You see, not only do they recognize each other as people, but they also recognize that prayer is having a relationship with God on a continuous basis, constantly praying and having relationship with God. And that's important for all of us to this day. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we are to be in fellowship and in prayer with God continually. And it's interesting because the words here, when you read it, it says continually devoting, which means continually means it's an ongoing thing, but devotion, the devotion was the deep, intimate commitment to pursue something. You see, these new believers... Like us, when we became new believers, we should be continuing desire to draw closer to this God of ours. Never forgetting what he sacrificed on the cross. And then it went on to 43. Verse 43, it says, And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. What that meant was these new believers, this biblical fellowship, were in awe of the things of God. I think sometimes we've lost that as a church in our country. You see, God is always doing something exciting and powerful. But we've lost the awe of God. When was the last time that you looked at the sunset and were in awe of God? When is the last time you looked at a child smiling and become in awe of God? You see, it's all God. But we've come to the place where we we can become so... um, focused on our world that we, that we don't see the hand of God and the presence of God in our lives. God is always doing amazing things. Always. As a matter of fact, I, 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 brought, I brought this little example here for you to show you the awe of God. And I, I, One day I had a pastor come in my office and he's on the south side of our city. And he said to me, he said, Brother Mike, I'm doing an outreach to reach out to the Hispanic kids in our community on the south side and and uh, I need some stuff to give to them. And I said, okay, what do you need? He goes, I don't know, I need everything. And I said, okay, well, we'll pray about that. I says, well, what, what do you really need? He goes, well, do you have any water bottles? Any, you know, do you know where I can get water bottles? I said, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't. I really don't. Well, let's pray about it. So we prayed in the morning. That afternoon, I get a phone call from a, a young woman who works out at Raytheon. And she's a part of our ministry. And she called me up and she said, Mike, I had, uh, something came up over here. I work in the safety division at, the, at, the, at Raytheon and, and we had a, a, a mix-up and, and uh, we don't, you know, we ordered these, these for our safety program. We ordered some safety bottles, water bottles, but they printed them wrong. So they're, they're going to throw them away. I, I don't know if you can use them, but you need any water bottles. <laughs> so I said, Sure. Whatever, bring it down. I know a pastor could use them. So the, the funny thing was, is they printed the water bottles with a cross, but it was the wrong one. It had a cross, not the red cross. <laughs> now, God has a great sense of humor, because look what it says. Plant protection. Squeeze the most out of safety. You see, that's an awe moment for me. I put that in my office every day. When I look up, I smile. Because my God is still doing amazing things. Your God is still doing amazing things. 
it's great to know that we have a God who's doing amazing things. But if you're not looking to see where he's at, you're going to miss the most exciting journey in your life. But these awe moments can come in many ways. There was one time my wife and I, we, we, were, we first started as missionaries and we didn't have a lot of money and, and we, were, we, we, we were at the, at the grocery store and our, our, the air conditioner broke down in July and it was just hot and our, my daughter had allergies and her eyes were all puffy and, and my wife looks over at me and we're at the, in front of the grocery store and she said, hey, um, we need a loaf of bread but we also need to get Benadryl. So I said, okay, what do you want me to get, the Benadryl or the bread? Well, look at her. She really, her eyes are puffy. She can't even open her eyes. So why don't you just go get the Benadryl? And I'll borrow a loaf of bread from your sister. So I said, okay. So I go in, minding my own business. I have enough money to buy the Benadryl. I get up to the cash register. This has never happened to me again, ever. But I go up to the cash register. I give the, the woman uh, the money for the, I had all the pennies I had, and I bought the Benadryl. And I started to turn away from the cashier, the cashier, and she turns around and she says, excuse me, sir, sir, do you need bread? And I, I stopped and I went, do I look like I need bread? I mean, <laughs> I was stunned. I, I, I looked at, you know, and she goes, sir, do you need bread? And I, and you know, prideful me, I go, well, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, my wife just told me I need a bread, right? Instead of saying, yes, I need bread, I said, well, I guess so. So I turned around and I said, Why? She goes, well, you know, the bakery made a mistake today. You see all that rack over there? Take as much bread as you want. It's all for you. Anybody who wants it. So I'm a big guy, I think, Jesus. One, two, three, four, five, six. You know, six loaves of bread. So I'm walking out to my car. My wife doesn't see the Benadryl. So she looks at me and says... I told you to get the Benadryl. <laughs> and I sat there and told her what had happened. And we both cried. Because God doesn't miss a thing. He knows what your need is before you need it. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter where your walk is with life. He knows what you need. He loves you. And that was a powerful moment for us. But those all moments aren't just those incredible stories like that. I mean, I'm working with a couple right now that, that by, just by the way we live in this world, this woman had an affair on her husband. And the all moment is, is that this man loved her enough that he's, he's willing to do whatever it takes to save his marriage. And I'm in awe of that, of the Holy Spirit and that man to be that gracious, that willing to to let the pain go or to embrace the pain and say, I want my marriage with, with my wife and with God. That's an awe moment. We have them all the time. But see, the early church understood this. Sometimes we forget. We get so caught up in our world, we forget the awe moments of life. And I'm here to tell you, biblical fellowship, we are a people who are in an awe moment. Don't let life beat it out of you. Embrace the things that come into your world and ask God to show you himself. Because he does all the time. They understood to look for that. And I could go on. I have 
hundreds of stories of lives that have been changed and touched because of the Jesus Christ. All stories that will absolutely floor you. And they're still happening. But we have to be a people who share those stories. Why do we like testimonies as Christians? You ever wondered that? Because those are all moments. That's why we need each other. I need to hear what the church is doing here because that inspires me. I need to hear, you need to hear what I have to do because it inspires you. It brings us to a place of grace because God has had grace on all of us. But then we go on to 44 because it's telling us more about this group. In 44 it says, And all those who had believed were together, had all things in common. You see, what the believer to this time, they understood their identity in Christ. They knew they were a redeemed people. They knew that Jesus went to the cross. Why do we know that? Because they celebrated communion. They knew what it meant. They understood that they were a part of the body of Christ. We're Christians. We're Christians that were saved by grace. It's important for us to know our identity in biblical fellowship. I was with someone not too long ago, and they said to me, well, you know, I met this Christian, and he's a Mormon. And that shocked me. Not because because they're Mormons, but because Mormons call themselves Christians. But for this believer to believe that he was one with them frightened me. Because it's not the same Jesus. But if we don't know who our God is, and we don't know and understand our identity, we're not have this common oneness with each other, we will get sidetracked. So we must know the truth of God. We must be caught up in this with God. And then in 40, 45, we see this, this the other thing that happens to this, this group of believers, this biblical fellowship. And they begin selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. You know, a lot of times people read that and they panic because it sounds like, okay, I'm asking you to go sell everything and bring it to me. No, I'm just, uh, it's not what I'm asking. <laughs> what's exciting about this, if you think of what's happening to this group of biblical, this fellowship, this biblical fellowship, is these new believers, they understood that God had entrusted them with something. They sold stuff for a reason. They had an understanding of why they were brought together. It's not about just, it was more, they, they really understood what God had called them to do as a group of people. Every church has a unique calling. God has called this church for, and He united you for a very specific, I don't know what that reason is, but God does. And I'm sure that you know it too. You're in this room together because God brought you here for a reason. Because He has a plan for all of you to serve Him. Now, I'm not saying it is about selling all your property, but it is a common goal for a group of biblical believers. And then it goes on and says, then they under, they carried out this. They, they, they acted upon what they understood to participate in kingdom work. That's what's exciting about the church. When a group of people come together to do kingdom work. Now, I know recently this summer you went to Mexico. You see... That's what this is all about. I know that to go to Mexico, that took money. I'm a missionary. I know those things. <laughs> to go to Mexico, it takes time. 
It takes effort. It takes planning. It takes prayer. It takes sacrifice. That's what this is talking about. That's the biblical fellowship that moves with power. And you'll see what happens as we look forward to this. The other thing about biblical fellowship as we we look into this, as we go further, and it says in 46, And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread. Now notice it doesn't say breaking of bread. It just says breaking bread. From house to house, they were taking their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. What does that mean? You see, day to day, they were of one mind and they were about... The teachings and being a part of fellowship and they're a part of the church, the temple here, they, that they're calling about where they gathered. And what that meant was, you see, Christianity is not a religion. It is a lifestyle and relationship with Jesus Christ every day of your life and every moment you breathe. When you make it a religion, you've walked out of its true intent. Christianity is who you are every day of every moment of your life. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you stand before Jesus, which we all will, lost or saved, you're not going to tell him what I said. You're not going to tell him what your pastor said. You think he's interested in what your pastor said? You're not the one standing in front of him. I'm not going to say, well, so-and-so said Jesus. No, he's going to say, what do you? You know, think about it. What did Jesus say to the apostles when they were questioning who he was? He said, who do you say I am? You see, he's interested in what you know about him, not what everybody else says about him. It's about relationship and intimacy with God. And so you get this idea that they were, they were of one mind and, and they understood it was a lifestyle. Then they were breaking bread from house to house, which means this was a relationship that was intimate. They spent time together. They were in each other's homes. They knew each other's heartache. You know, when you spend, spend, time in people's houses and eat with them, you get to know them pretty well, right? Right. How do you know when your friends are really your friends when you don't have to clean up when they come over? That'll tell you who your friends are. And when they come over, they just go high and push everything away because they don't care. They care about you. You see, this early church or this biblical fellowship, which should apply to us today, is that we should be able to know each other that well and love each other and have grace on each other because none of us are perfect. We should be able to pray for each other's children as they're growing up and having hardship in the world we live in. We should be able to pray for each other's marriages because it's not easy living in a world when everything's tearing the marriage apart. We need each other like this early church did. And it says they were taking meals together and gladness and sincerity of heart. Isn't that interesting? They were actually happy to be together. <laughs> they enjoyed each other. It's great to be in the body of Christ. And they had sincerity of heart, which means they were, had truthful relationships. They weren't based on superficial. That means there was intimacy. There's nothing... There's nothing greater than being able to go to a brother or sister in Christ and say, will you pray for me? I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling with maybe an area of my life. And that person or brother in Christ would look at you and say, no problem, brother, I got you covered. That is a truthful relationship. They weren't phony. This is saying they weren't phony people. Religious people are phony because they just do something, but they're not 
intimately related to God. They're just functioning. So we have to be careful that we understand that. And what's happened in our society today, we're, we've taken biblical fellowship and we make it a social event. It is not a social event. It's a relational event. It's, it's not about, uh, you know, I work with larger churches and, and, I, and I work with youth pastors and I challenge the youth pastors. I said, listen, it's, I don't have a problem with you having pizza. I think pizza's great. After, you know, look at me. I like pizza. <laughs> I said, but I'm going to tell you something. Unless those kids understand what it means to walk with God, pizza means nothing. So you occupy them for two hours. But you're not teaching them who their God is because that's who they're going to need to know in this world. And so this church, this group of people, this biblical fellowship understood that. The thing that's fascinating to me as you continue to move on in the scripture, as you look at 47, because as a missionary, this is where I get excited. This is what excites me to the core of my soul, because this is what God's heart is. It says, this group of people, this biblical fellowship, it says in 47, praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord. So what happens is there are people who praise God constantly, always praising God, always praising God. You can praise God in the most difficult moment in your life. A year ago, my mother passed away of cancer. And I watched her journey with God. And I watched her change every moment of every day. There was a moment where she could swallow and a moment where she couldn't. You see, everything will change in this world but God. I can promise you. If you're young, you're going to get old. That's just the way it goes. And if you're old, you're just going to get older. Because that's the way it goes. But I watched my mother praise God to the point on her last dying breath, I watched her, she was giggling while she was dying. She was excited to meet her God. The last thing my mother said to me, after being in a coma for six days straight, came out of the coma, I was fixing her pillow, my sister and I, and with a little girl's voice, she said, Bye, like I'm going off to play. You see, I could praise God for that moment. Because he gave me a gift. He showed me that she was happy. So you can praise God for everything, even a difficult time. And when you do that, it says here, having favor with all people. When you have a biblical relationship and you live in a life for Christ, then people notice you. And it's pleasing to God. And then what does it say? Look what it says. You want to know how to reach people for Christ? Look what happens. And the Lord was adding their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. You see, when we live the Christian life, people want to know who our God is. People come to faith because of how we live, not what we say so much. But it's how we live. They want to know this God of ours. 
That's what it's telling us. You want to reach people for Christ? Live for Christ. Not religiously, not on Sunday, not on Wednesday. I had a couple I was ministering to one time. And they wanted to get a divorce. They're both Christians. So she says to me, I'm going to divorce my husband. I said, why? Because he doesn't go to church with me and I go every day. I go six days a week. And I go, and you want to divorce your husband? I think you need to go seven days a week. You see what I'm getting at? We, we need to, to live our lives so that people see God in us. Have you ever met somebody that had Jesus eyes? They're scary. They look at you and you go, oh, they can see right through me. Because they have learned who their God is. They have seen him in all circumstances. And they can see whether you're with him or not. And so the reality is is that the Lord adds to the numbers based on the biblical fellowship that's taking place because these people knew that it was not about them, it was about God. And the opposite of fellowship with God is fellowship with Satan. That's the truth. If you're not having fellowship with God, then the only other person left is fellowship with Satan. And that's a scary place to be. Scripture warns us. It says here in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership does have righteousness and lawlessness with the fellowship of light with darkness? It doesn't mean we don't reach lost people. I'm a missionary. I go after those people, but I'm not going to have fellowship with them. I'm not going to do what they do, live how they live, but I'm going to love them to the Savior, if that makes any sense. So anyway, we we look and we wonder about our relationships. And I'm here to tell you that it's, it's the most exciting thing to know we have a God that loves us, that will never forsake you, that will always be there for you. In Psalm 92, and I'm going to paraphrase it for you, it says, this is a, a verse that has blessed me through the most difficult times of my life. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2, it says, you, you sing praises to God, and then it says, you wake up to His loving kindness, and you go to bed to His faithfulness. Isn't that great? What does that mean? When I first got married, actually it still happens, but when I first got married, I would wake up and my wife would be standing over me with her eyes opened up and she'd say, get up, let's spend the day together. And I was like, I'm trying to get up here, you know, give me a break. And she'd say, get up, get up, come on, it's the day's going, the lights are burning, let's go, let's go. She couldn't wait for me to enjoy our day together. And she did that to me this morning before I came here. So she's still doing it. But the reality is, isn't it great to know that every morning you wake up, I don't care how your day, what your day looks like, you wake up to a God who loves you. He promises that. He can't wait to spend the day with you. And then it goes on to say, you go to bed to his faithfulness, which means that in the end of the day, who was really faithful? He was. He never left your side. And I don't know about you, but at the end of my day, sometimes I go, wow, thank you for taking care of me today. Because it sure wasn't me that got through this day. That's the Lord that we serve. In a few minutes, we're going to be having communion. And that communion is to be reminded about who our God is, what He's done for us. Never forget. I think it's interesting that God always has to tell us never forget. Why? Because we always forget. 
remember. So if you're here today for the first time and you didn't, and there's, or if I said something that offended you or upset you, you can take it up with Steve when he gets back. <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Uh, things may not uh, work out that way, but anyway. Um, but, you know, if you're here for the first time and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you, you're always welcome to come and talk to the elders or the pastor here or myself if you want to and ask questions, and we'd be glad to answer those for you. But if you're, if you're here and maybe what I said today convicted you, maybe you felt like God is speaking to your heart right now and you feel a little convicted, that's okay. Let me tell you something about conviction. I used to feel bad about it. I used to feel bad when I got convicted. I said, what a terrible person I am. <laughs> I get convicted a lot. But I realized conviction is love. He loves you. I've come to the point in my life, I said, Lord, convict me before I get to the place where I do something wrong. Put it in, in front of me, not behind me. Stop me. I'd rather be convicted than never hear his voice. Conviction is to draw you back to himself. So if you're here this morning and you got convicted, thank God. Thank him. I do. I do, a lot. Sometimes. More than I'd like. But anyway, if you're here and you have confirmation, if you came here and you go, wow, this is exactly what I've been thinking, this is exactly what I believe, then praise God because you're right where he wants you to be. And if you've lived this life, enjoy it more than ever. My prayer is you that for you is that you'll be giggling like my mother. My prayer is I will be giggling like my mother. I was amazed at that. It was a gift. And so I just wanted to, um, to encourage you to enjoy your journey with the Lord. This biblical fellowship was not by chance. There's no such thing for luck for the Christian. You're in this room with these people here. Because God has put you here. Enjoy what he's blessed you with. Know each other's hearts. Live for him. Enjoy the God who saved you. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your word tells us that this new thing that happened years ago can happen today. We are your people saved by grace. We know without you we can accomplish nothing. We know that you have blessed us with each other. We're not orphans. You didn't leave us without without family. We're not orphans. We're not loners. You didn't leave us alone. You left us with the Holy Spirit. You left us with each other. And you will never forsake us. So we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your blessings. We pray that you would use each and every congregation in our city to draw people back to yourself. In Christ we pray. Amen.